Hello to the leaders of yesterday, today and tomorrow. Welcome to Heart of a Leader, a podcast where we're on a quest to find the heart of leadership. I'm Michael Wilbo and as always I'm joined by my talented co-host Christina Foxwell. Hello everyone out there and hi Michael Wilbo. Hey, so today we're going to shine the spotlight on tough love in leadership. Yeah. Opening thoughts. Ugh. I think this is the hardest one because, you know, we work so hard on the love piece, but the tough love piece is the balance and it's hard and it's necessary. I I can't stress, I can't stress that enough. This last week, Wilbo, I've had coaching conversations with um, leaders and executives where, you know, some of the questions I've gone is, have you had that conversation yet? And the response I've generally had is, no, I've been a bit soft. And I don't think that's, a, yeah. that's you know, I think that's the heart. If you've got a leadership heart, you will struggle with the, with the tougher piece. But it's so important. What do you think? Oh, look, I 100% agree. And I think that tough love from a leadership perspective comes from a place of care. But we also have the economic reality of of running a business and we need to get the performance that is required out of our team. So a lot of what I'm going to do in in this podcast for our listeners is I'm going to direct a lot of this to the team of the leader and help the leader understand that perspective of the challenge. And I guess to, to open the batting for that, I'm going to say that You've got to create an environment where people want to lead themselves, first and Absolutely. foremost. Absolutely. If if you're reliant on a leader to do that for you, as if you're a team member, then you're lazy and you're creating your own situation. So a lot of this is going to centre on accountability um, from my perspective. So that tough love, yes, definitely comes from a place of care or you would have booted the people out of the business. So there's always going to be that nurturing part of performance, but a leader's part of their remit is they've got to address the economic and also the behavioural concerns that exist within a team. And look, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Often people call us in at Ignite Purpose and go, and you know, you and I have had this conversation, please come help me make my people yeah. more accountable. And I'll, <laughs> I'll often go, hey, like, that's not what we do. We can help your people reflect on who they are, what they're bringing. And you as a leader and us as your performance team, what we've got to simulate together is help them make the choice to be accountable because accountability is a choice. Yes, and absolutely. It's, it's a choice. The, the part that I sort of sit there and think about too to help leaders out is that in nearly every situation where there is some degree of conflict, performance situations, drama, where tough love is is needed, there's been a disconnect in communication. Oh, yes, for sure. A a misalignment on expectations and a lack of honesty by one party or the other, and that is both on the leader or the employee or the team member. And the frustrations that are being felt at team level and leader level, um, that's the part, that frustration piece is what's causing everyone to shut down. Oh, do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head because, and I'll probably say this a few times because this is one of my most passionate topics. It is hard for us to be honest though. I'm going to come back down to the definition of uh, vulnerability because it actually comes around about to vulnerability. I've got to be able to be vulnerable enough 
to share with you what's okay and what's not okay and to be honest with you about why it is that way and it's not about you it's about what we've got to achieve together I had a conversation today with the leader about the custodianship of leadership you're a custodian of this organization you're a custodian of that role and it's that exchange for me I'm as literal as this I agree to work with you so I sign away my hours and my skill sets within this space of time to bring you my best and you pay me money for that it's that's the exchange and i'm making this black and white but that is the exchange and i think the more we kind of walk through that and own it the more we can actually step into that but it's understanding the custodianship yeah and if you look at some of the triggers that that sort of the instigators of that it could be coming from a place of fear and probably most definitely is coming from a place of fear that that either you as the leader or the team member don't have the courage to be vulnerable oh Yes. And if you think about that from a fear perspective, if you view it, if you think you're going to be viewed differently or negatively or have a black mark put against your name from your leader because you've leaned in, taken some responsibility but shown vulnerability in terms of a lack of a skill set or handling a particular task poorly, then my advice listen leaders but my advice to your team is start your exit plan because you don't want to work for a leader like that go and find a true leader so leaders don't fall into this trap ever it is far too damaging to the overall performance of the business and the people involved so run your business from a place of care that you have for your people because that is critical to achieve your goals And I'm going to come back to something you said last week. So if you haven't listened to our first episode of the quest for a leader, it's an arduous journey. Um, Part of that quest is really being able to have a heart. But the other part of that quest is truly being able to listen to your team. Um, And then I, I like saying this as well, teach them how to think for themselves. You know, I think we as leaders don't do that enough. We think for them, we speak for them, and then we stunt their growth because we're not allowing them to be engaged. And the other thing I was going to say is also be vulnerable. Own your mistake, leader. It doesn't make it doesn't make you less than a leader. No, and this is I'd love to sort of pick your brain on this one because this is your wheelhouse. Mm. How do you think leaders that are listening can do? Some, what are some of the tangible things they can do to try and teach their teams how to do that? So I think the first thing is to have honest conversations with them. I love that thought process of setting an expectation Um, and then making sure you live that expectation. So, for example, invite them to come in, sit down and rumble and talk with you about the things that they need to talk about. I think that's critical. The second thing I think is really important is when they share that with you, own your own judgment. Because if you are going to judge yeah. that person in that moment, you're going to undo all the good stuff you've asked them to come and do. So, so be peaceful. I was, I was coaching someone today and um, I was really speaking to them about just listen, be peaceful, be there. Because that's what you're wanting. As soon as I judge you as a leader, I've asked you to come to me and talk to me. Now you're coming to talk to me and I'm judging you. It blocks the flow of accountability which means tough love goes down the drain and we're going back into the oh I really like you as a person but in order for you not to actually freak out when I talk to you I'll just avoid you 
Yeah, I love it. And I think it comes down to the old adage of uh, two ears, one mouth, use them in that ratio. Mm. Your people are coming to you as a leader and they're giving you all of the solutions, all of the answers you need to fix the problem that you have as a leader, whether it be performance or attitude or whatever. They're giving you if you give them that platform to download. If you circumvent that download and start placing your own judgment into the equation, you've you've just created a bigger disconnect. And I find that when you think of when there is a degree of conflict in the business for those performance-based issues, there's for me the disconnect comes in either energy commitment or enthusiasm on both sides. Oh, I like that. that there is something that is waned in one of those three pillars. And the leader's got to take the responsibility to put a reset in place which also is showing vulnerability from their side to, to not think that they're infallible, that they may not have contributed with a lack of clarity, a lack of support, a lack of care, whatever the, the, the team member needs yeah. to get to the end result that you're going to want to get to, you've got to be willing to go on the journey with your team. You can't just jump the shark and expect them in one conversation to get there. You've got to help them unpack some stuff and rebuild. So walk me through an actual example, because everybody out there, you and I have both led as leaders. So why don't we share, you share an example first, and then I'll share one out of my uh, out of my bank. Uh, where have you walked through this actual piece? So let's, let's play it out for our listeners so they can hear. So I'll give you one where actually I was the catalyst of the problem. Okay. So I actually, with my leadership team um, that I worked with, um, we had a high performance goal and I wanted to, to get to a point where we could triple um, our digital revenue mm-hmm. and maintain our year-in-year revenue in, in the print side of things. Yep. Now, that was a, a monstrous, I remember monstrous that goal. goal. I remember your like goal. 10, yeah, like $10 million mm-hmm. goal. Like it's huge, right? Yeah. So in reflection, great to be ambitious. If you stretch people too far, things can snap. And that was the, the point that I put them in. I could put the structures in. I could show how we put the strategy together to do it. But where I had the misstep is that I failed in my part to actually get the ability to win the hearts and minds and really set that belief in every individual that it could be done. So I believe it could be done. But leaders out there, you've got to listen. That doesn't mean anything if you don't have the tribe with you. Yeah. So it's great to be ambitious, but stretching beyond belief is, is going to get you nowhere. It's going to lose you some good people. Thankfully, luckily for me, it didn't. But it needed, a, it needed a point of time where I called it and actually sort of put my hand up. And it was tough, to, right? I'm, I'm the leader. I'm the, the person in charge to sit there and apologize to the team that I set something without their collaboration, without their input, that I didn't get their buy-in the way that I I required to take the team on the journey. Because all that was really happening is I was on the journey. Yeah. And I couldn't do it myself. I needed them. So it was that humility piece to be able to go, guys, this is my learning as a leader. You have all taught me through your actions, through your care, through fireside conversations and whichever or, that there is a better, more productive way to do it. And luckily, I was able to listen. Then we went on a run and achieved some incredible things. How about you? Well, for example. Well, I'm going to use an example in this practice. So let's get really real. I don't mind talking about it. I've been running this practice for eight years. Um, when I started it, I had these, this vision of 
you know taking over the world as you do especially when you come from a sales directorship role when you start your own work and you think well I've got to do that in order to be successful and I remember about two and a half years ago almost three years ago I had the most I had a really good team man um, we were moving we had momentum it was exciting and I started stretching too far you know, I started I started saying, well, I need someone to come in and do this and I need someone to do this and I need to get people upskilled and I don't want to be the business. The business needs to run on its own. And, 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 and I came up with all these really good things. But at the end of the day, I am the business. The research, you know, Carolise has now come through the ranks. She's been with me for six years. She's a functioning, you know, business consultant with, you know, but I wanted it quickly, too quickly. And what I did was I burnt out my business manager because few people can keep the crazy pace of a founder. I've got to be honest with you. It's, if it's in your blood, you run. <laughs> Carolee said that to me the one day. She said, I don't know how you do it. Um, I, I, I ended up smashing the team and the business into my wall of vision. Yeah. And had I listened to them, my, my ops manager at one stage had said to me, you know what? Why don't you just pace it out? Why don't you just use your gifts, make a difference, live your purpose, you know, be balanced, do this, pace it out, pace it out. Do you think I was going to listen to her? <laughs> no freaking way, man. No. I had this vision and I knew I, I'm a creator. Yeah. You know, I could, I can achieve anything. And of course I can, but I'm, 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 I'm hampered by humanity. Yeah. I'm not a machine. And my people, had I listened to them and had we thrown it out differently, I think it could have looked differently for us. Am I not? I'm grateful for the learning. I think I hear you grateful for your learning. Oh, without a doubt. And because you've got to think, and, and when we talk about sort of maybe sort of newer leaders, you've gotten there typically from being able to climb the ladder better than those around you. Absolutely. So you've always been rewarded through you doing you and performing to that standard and that matters a little bit when you get into leadership but you've got to be able to bring people along you've got to be able to be that sort of people whisperer um, and get people to come on that journey with you and if I didn't swallow my pride check my ego uh, and address that with the team I would have constantly been fighting against the symptoms and never gone to fix the root cause of the problem and that's when that allows you to reset, put a new platform in place, pour the concrete, let it to set, and you've got something to build on. Yeah. Because if you have that excuse of falling into the blame game and you let your ego dominate, you let your pride dominate, why can't this team hit this goal? What's wrong that's with on them? You. Yeah, that's on you as the leader. It's not on them because you've got to show them the way. You've got to be able to articulate the path and predict adapt prevent problems effectively enough and if you're not achieving the number your people not responsible you are well i, I want to say absolutely and then i want to say something the reason we as leaders blame is because and especially the really like you know leaders that are quite dominant um is because we trust people so quickly and we're running so fast that we're not checking along the way to your very point if they're in the in the in the blooming car with us or in the boat and then the other thing that we don't do so well is we just trust that they know what they're doing 
and we've never we're not spending enough time standing next to them because we're running so hard to the next thing so I want to read something to you because today I had one of those days where I was like a grumble grumble and I said to <laughs> Carolise what a great day to do the podcast because you know you got to walk the talk so what a nice day to order so Gaza thought a bad attitude is like a flat tire you can't go anywhere until you change it and I think this is a brilliant okay, thought cool for leaders right come on if you're grumbling you basically have a shitty attitude you've got a bad attitude and and your people aren't going to be connected more to you because you're grumbling fighting stretching blaming they're going to be you know withdrawing from you to protect themselves but if you walk in there and go hey man this is where i'd like to go this is where it's fallen over i'm owning it that i'm not standing with you enough can we walk together how do we do this very different i love it I love it. And if you take that analogy further, think about the damage it can cause. So if you start driving on that flat tire, you're then going to start damaging the wheel. Totally. Then you're going to damage your suspension. Then you're going to cause irreparable damage that's going to take a lot of money to fix. Oh. So own it at the first symptom and get it addressed and move forward. And that's where that's why the Christina and I talk to you guys on a, on a weekly basis now about the love and care in leadership because okay. you've got to have it as your compass to be able to get anywhere. Remember what we say, that every business is just bricks and mortar with a logo on the front door. It's the people that bring it alive. Don't forget that. Like, be critical, though. When you're in a situation that is is causing conflict and and you raised a, a really good point and I'm, I'm a bandit for having themes every year, right? Yeah. And, and you mentioned <laughs> about the boat. Yeah. And you remember the time where we had sort of, the, and not my saying, it's uh-uh. sort of one that was used with um, a lot of different pieces, sort of America 2 challenge back then, but will it make the boat go faster? Correct. And Ben Hunt Davis, I think, is the Olympian that we used in the sessions we spoke about. Yeah. yeah. So you think about that's awesome. Will it make the boat go faster? And getting on, that's a great sizzle. Let's buy in. And then as we sort of progress down the track a little bit, months and months in, and things weren't sort of flying the way that we want to, you go back and you actually put that vision statement up on the, the hoist and you go, well, did they actually want the boat to go faster? What does fast look like for every individual? Does everyone have the same alignment on what faster means? So there's so many parts that you've got to make sure that you've got the hearts and minds on board about what you do. And I think the the core part about all the leaders listening to that, when you get back to areas of of challenge, because I talked about, I need you to want it as much as me. You've got to be hungry. If there's no hunger. So you've got to chunk down the building blocks, right? You've got, and this is more to my sort of philosophy around that, both with the leader, but also how you coach your teams is it's about how you actually spend your time and chunking down the tasks that need to be done if you get down to its purest form. But I like to call it, it's not about time management, it's choice management. Absolutely, it's leadership. It's leadership. Yeah. yeah. So don't get lost and held accountable to, oh, I don't have the time. It's like you choose to spend your time where you choose to spend it. So it's on you. So somewhere along the, the path, either the leader or the team have lost their discipline. Absolutely. And so you've got to rethink your operating rhythm. Collaborate as a unit, either the leader with the team or the team coming to the leader um, and redesign the process and the solution um, and sort of rebuild it as we've given those real-life examples that we've experienced. If we didn't go back to rebuild it, 
we wouldn't the be team here. probably would have fallen apart. Yeah, we'd be punted out of the, the role. So if you want to, to sort of run a team by saying that, yeah, you put your hand out every week, fortnight, month for a salary, so therefore you will do what I say. And look, in the pure economics, 100% agree. Yeah. But we're not dealing with robots just yet. We're dealing with people. So you've got to be able to take them along your journey. So how good are you at, this is the big, at weaving in the purpose of the journey, but also keeping in commercial accountability. Love it. So so I want to hold there and I want to take everybody back to, I led a sales team in Africa um, and I took them over as sales lead. Uh, I think I was the last cab off the rank that they were going to give this to before kind of dissolving everyone. Uh, and they basically yeah. said to me, you've got to save it or they're not here. Uh, and the, the thing I brought to the table was a willingness to stand next to people. Um, I was I was coaching people without getting paid for it uh, and their success before I even took the role because I just felt like, shame, that's a South African, but hey, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and the second thing was I understood how to actually get rigor in my discipline on my sales number and my activity. And I remember what I did was I sat down with each person and I said, right, so this is that purpose piece. My job is to stand next to you and I want to do the best I can. But what makes you tick? It's not about me. It's about you. What do you want? What makes you tick? Tell me what you want. What makes you happy? Where do you see yourself in 12 months? What do you want to see, do, experience? Talk me through this. I want to hear you. And... Um, each one of the team spent some time sharing with me their heart, what they want. And and that helped me say, okay, so if that's what you want, here's our remit. This is what we've got to do. And I cannot turn this organization around without you. So how about I say, there's a blank slate. You can be anything you want to be in this business as long as you want it. I'm not going to stand in your way. Take my job. Go for it. Um, and you know what? That team smashed it. I can't even explain to you. I think we went from two million to ten million in twelve months. I mean, it was just wow. not possible. And yeah, if that, you mobilise the hearts and minds. And they wanted it. They wanted more. Yeah. And they wanted more. And they wanted more. And they used to phone me, going, "Can we just have another checkup on our numbers? We're so excited, but we just want to run through the numbers with you again." And I've got this idea. And then I said to them, "We never say no. We say yes." Because if the opportunity comes our way and it's within the suite of stuff we do and we, we don't know how to do it yet, but we'll find our way, we say yes and we find our way. So I and unlock if you want to that. encourage that drive and that discipline within your team, I found that probably one of the, the best way to do this. And again, for those listening, how often have you sat down with your team, not just in the good times, but in the bad times and said, how can I help you? Yeah. What do you need from me? Rather than putting that sort of the stick approach and putting it on them going, you're not doing what the business requires. You're, you're the expert here. Yeah, you're yeah. the you're the one with the most experience. And you see that a lot with executive teams. They'll, they'll shout down the line, what's happening with these numbers? What's happening with this market? Go and fix it. And you sit there and you think, you're the COO, you're the managing director, you're the CEO you probably would have had some more experience in this space at some point in time. What's your input? What do you think? And that's where I think a lot of organisations fall down. 
John Maxwell in the levels of leadership. So if you out there and you want to go and listen to a really good video on leadership, we're talking about momentum, Wilbo and myself. He talks about when you hit that momentum level, you become a travel agent. The travel agent doesn't take you. Oh, he says you're not a, you, you're a tour guide, not a travel agent, sorry. A travel agent will book your ticket and send you. A tour guide takes you where they've been before. And I think this is the key thing in leadership. Don't you love that? I want to be a tour guide. I actually want to take people where I've been before. And if I don't even know, then let's be explorers together. And I'll wear, yeah. I'll wear, the, I'll wear the torch on my head and I'll have the panga in my hand and we'll cut through the bush together. Um, but the leader goes, the leader goes first, but eats last. Yeah, nice. Don't you like great, that? Great, great. And if you're wanting to put that accountability piece back into the team, because again, we're talking about tough love, you're addressing some stuff that just isn't working. Ask people to be the CEO of their own role. Oh, yes. And you be the CEO of your own role as the leader. Like, so would you buy you? is the thing that I like to drop every now and again. So are you treating people with that mirror that you would want to be treated? And I think that if you can filter part of that out and you don't wait to be told, um, I want people to, to listen to this and start to encourage their teams to come to them, yes, with problems. Of course. But get them to come with the solutions to the problems. Without because that. not only are you teaching them, you're going to get a different perspective that might pinball your brain to go to a, a different area that accesses the best solution possible and you've done it together, therefore you've joined forces, you've held hands and you're going to start to walk through fire together. Might sound a bit cliche, but that's what's got to happen. Well, I think, again, if, if I'm teaching you how to think, I trust that the thoughts you're having are worth listening to. Okay, so I'm teaching you how to think. Now, Carolise has worked with me for oh, six, seven years, and of, she is my daughter. And I remember her in at the end of high school. I used to drop off at school, and we used to talk in the car, but I used to coach her. And she used to say, you are not a normal mother because normal parents don't do this to their children. And I used to say, I'm just teaching you how to think. And you know what the gift is, Wilbo? She sits in this practice with me and she said something to me. I, I walked out the door as I went to the bathroom and I was grumbling about something. And she just beautifully served me back and went, you know what? You've been talking about it for a while. And had you made that decision a little bit earlier, you wouldn't be talking about it right now, basically. And I was like, oh, true, tough love, right? And I accept that, that from love. her because she's actually holding me accountable to my grumble. Yeah, and it doesn't have to come across in a mean or venomous way, right? Oh, no, because we've got deep love. And if Correct. she's my daughter or not my daughter, there's deep love. She buys into the passion. You know, when we've got big projects, she'll come in here on a weekend. We start working and putting stuff together. Yeah. You know, so, so that means we bought in. Yeah, and if you want to unlock that potential from your people, you've got to create an environment of safety, oh. of respect, of appreciation. Um, where people actually feel a part of it and they don't feel that they're standing out on the ledge of a 20-storey building every day about to be pushed off. Nice, because if, if they fall alone, you're responsible. If they fall, you're responsible. But if you, it's, it's about this mutual accountability piece. Don't you love that? 
Yeah, it's 100%, it's 100% mutual, mutual accountability. accountability. I, I had a leader, Wilbo, and I took over as a partner at an international um, sales consulting business in Sydney. And I was running this, the SMB area. Does that sound familiar? Um, Just a little. And as when I took it over, he said to me, you're here to create that fun, foundational um business area for us so we don't want just the enterprise clients that are so big we want this bread and butter customer and I went that's my stuff and then he said to me and I'm giving you enough rope don't hang yourself and with that statement I was like what you're basically saying to me is I'm on the ledge on my own and I said to him hey hey I'm gonna stop you right there I, what I would love is for you and I to catch up weekly. I'm going to share my strategy with you. We're going to measure my outcomes. I need you to coach me and I'm going to guide myself. But if I do this on my own, it's not right. But if we do this together and I fail, you'll be mutually accountable for my hanging. And boom. Boom. And I, I, don't know, I don't know if anyone had ever said that to him before. Okay. But that's... That's the essence, right? And, and you've got me to sort of really think of things because what you did was reset the dynamic. Yeah. And if we're trying to prevent or deal with areas of tough love in leadership, and let's just say you're working in a sales team, mm. business in 2020 is so fluid and ever-changing, current situation with COVID-19, another example of, yeah. that if you're doing the same building blocks of your role the way you have always done it you are setting yourself up to fail now think of all the things that could occur within a sales role so if you're a, a, a leader of a sales team you've got prospecting appointment setting cold calling discovery meetings needs analysis proposal creation strategy presentations expectations management closing go live transition management account management servicing the whole enchilada yeah if you're not driving new and improved ways with your team, getting them to lead it, yeah. divide up sections and go, who has been the best at each part? Now I want you to be better. Come back with a new way, a new learning of how we can actually evolve the way we do that. You're going to keep the team stimulated. You're going to keep your team sharp and you're going to prevent a lot of car crash moments where performance comes because they've neglected certain building blocks of the role or you have neglected them as the leader. Yeah. I, I, I want to touch on something you've just said there and I'm going to go back to the research around vulnerability. Um, when I'm truly vulnerable, it means I'm open. That means I'm creative. Um, I'm agile. I can work through change. Um, I can bounce better. Um, I'm willing to arrive. Don't you like that? I'm willing to arrive, which means I'm going to try something. If it isn't perfect, and this is what sometimes can be hard, but when you're in a sales business, you move so incredibly fast. I'm going to try something. If it doesn't work, I'm going to try it one more time. If one more time it doesn't work, I'm going to come back to you and look around and say, hey, this didn't work. How do we do it now? What can we do now? I'm not going to keep... I had the sales guy work for me at one stage, Miles. And he said to me, Christina, I'm flogging this dead horse and it's dead and I'm still on it. And I was like, well, Miles, don't you think it's time to get off? Um, <laughs> but that's the point, right? Pivot, get off, try something else. I think that I think you nailed it in terms of, of that respect. I'm going to sort of throw out some attitude things that I think yep. that 
leaders could could anchor to and start to really breed within their teams. Go. So the first one, the difference between wanting and achieving is discipline. Absolutely. And discipline is arriving and doing something, even if you don't want to do it, it's part of the fundamentals to get it happening. Yeah, because everyone is looking for the quick fix and you've got to understand when you're dealing with tough love aspects of a leader and leadership in general, there are no quick fixes. I would love to look like The Rock, Mm. (laughs) but maybe I'm not as disciplined to get up at four o'clock every morning and spend three hours in the gym and eat the right foods all the time for the, for the next 20 years to achieve that. So I like the veneer of it. I like the idea of it, but I don't like it enough to change my habit. Yeah. So leaders have got to be able to get into the psyche of their team to be able to get them to want it and feel enough to change their habit. Yeah. The other one, Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I will do what others can't. Oh, all right, but let's just stop at that quote quickly. The first part of that quote says, today I will do what others won't. Okay, so that means I've got to go first, and that means I've got to potentially fail first. Yeah, fail first, fail fast. Fail first, fail fast, get up. And what's the second part of that quote? So tomorrow Mm -hmm. I will do what others can't. Okay, which means because I went first, because I have skinned my knees, stood up, tried again, I've learned how to do something now that somebody has not, that others have not yet tried to learn how to do because I've done it there, I've tried, I've gone for it. Yeah, and it, it, it digs into all those core emotions that leaders need to be embedding, not only in themselves, but in their teams. It's that, it's the courage, it's the fearlessness, it's the continual pursuit for better. Uh, And that's how you get to to be in a place that I can do some things that others can't do now. Because I I put in the hard yards, the blood, sweat and tears. I was willing to invest in me. Correct. And that's what you want in a team. Get your team to be willing to invest in themselves, which when added all up is a massive investment for you, for your total combined team. Well, I'm going to leverage of what you've just said. Today, I spent time speaking to a people and culture leader of an investment bank. And we were doing a virtual catch-up, as you do in COVID. And we were having this conversation, and she just said to me, what do you do? And I said, well, we're not a training organization. We're a performance improvement practice, which means people are at the heart of your organization. If we can start teaching them, guiding them, and challenging them to lead themselves, to lead who they are, your organization takes off. If we're telling them what to think, some some programs come in and some learning areas come in and say, this is what you've got to say at this point. No, please, God, teach me how to think. Teach me where I'm going. Teach me about me. Teach me about me understanding what I fear, what I strive for, what am I, what am I good at, what should I learn. Those are the things. Teach me to understand my ripple. Yeah, and that's the role, right? You've got to be a teacher. And if you think of if you think of the different components that we're trying to sort of break apart, a lot of people are very familiar with EQ, very, very familiar with IQ. Yes. But probably one of the most important qualities to breed into a team is AQ yes. or the adaptability quotient. So it's and I love the Charles Darwin famous sort of um, statement. It's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It's the one most adaptable to change. Oh, all right. So now let's stop there again. 
because based on the research we've done, it's not easy to change because, I'm going to come back to this, I fear what others will think of me if I try something new and I fail. So then I don't try it all. Or when I get the feedback, the feedback I mirror is my failure and that I am the failure versus this feedback is here to set me a place to grow. And, and, that's, and that's why it comes back to the individual. Yeah, and without that, that's a really shitty place to live, right? Like that's not pleasant. Oh, Where you, if you if you think you're the first to do something and to be judged by it, it just stifles creativity, it stifles innovation, it stifles courage, and they're the qualities that you need to navigate through tough love as a leader. So with that, I want to take you back eight years. When I started this practice, I gave myself three pillars: align, engage, and able. Alignment eight years ago, no one knew what the shit I was talking about. And I actually had a, 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 like a facilitator who I'd worked with for years, Gregory, say to me, Christina, you've got to stop with this alignment piece because no one gets it. Aligned to what? And I said, I've been on executive teams. I've led teams. The greatest challenge we have is we don't focus in the right direction and run. We're misaligned. We run all over the shop like headless chickens and we're not effective. And I said, and so that's why it. we have to align to ourselves, to our purpose, to our team, to our leader, to our vision, and then we run. And so that was my go first moment. And you know what? It took two and a half, three years for people to actually understand what on earth I'm talking about. And I failed miserably my first year. Miserably. Could you could you admit to that at the end of year one or is it only now? No, can I tell you what happened at the end of year one? No, no, let me take you. End of year one, I worked myself into the ground as you do. Um, and my business plan went down the toilet. Uh, And then I developed adrenal fatigue because I'd worked so hard and because I was beating myself so hard and because I felt that I wasn't good enough to do this, but I knew I was good enough. So I wasn't willing to stop doing it, but I just didn't know how to switch the gear. And then I went to see a specialist after they did a host of tests and she said to me, you're not allowed to work for three months, otherwise you'll have a heart attack. Literally, here's your result. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, I'm being really honest with you, lady. That's what she said to me. You rest or your children bury you. And I remember sitting in her office and the tears ran down my face. And I went, but I can't stop. And she said, well, you could, you got a choice, like the dirt or you lie on the grass and you stare at the sun. That's your choice. And so for three months, um, Wilbo, I, I kind of took time out, kind of meaning I was working on my business plan. I fetched Josh from school, which was unusual for me. I lay on the grass. I went for walks. I lost weight. I didn't eat rubbish. I was on a really strict uh, health stuff lots of pills and stuff health pills and I can tell you what happened three months after that my business took off because I had gone into a peaceful space where I was present with myself and I'd gone into a space where my brain had stopped going into that fight flight or freeze moment where I all the learning centers were lighting up I wasn't trying to achieve anything but stay alive. I mean, that in itself was a good thing. Um, <laughs> yes. But that was the perfect moment of this practice of my, and I've had a few, but that was really the really big one um, where it was really about I needed to transform and I needed to be agile, but I was struggling to be agile because I felt everyone was waiting for me to fail. 
Yeah, and look, when you when you talk about the the the, the sentiment I get from from that story that you shared is that as a leader, when you hold on so tight, oh, yes, you crash you're it. Not, you're not keeping hold of it. You you're, you're strangling it and killing it. You can't. You can't. So sometimes, as a leader, you've got to let go to gain control, and that's what you've done. So you you're able to release the the tightness of the grip and become more in sync with it, which I think that's a very key learning for leaders to be able to do. Absolutely. And just remember, we become leaders of sales organizations and businesses because we have discipline. Actually, I think that's your formula. Um, There was this book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, Chet Holmes. And I was listening to it on audiobook, gosh, how many years ago? 13 years ago audiobook that's when you still had the cd going anyway um you didn't have podcasts and he was saying on there you need pig-headed discipline and determination and i thought wow pig-headed because he was talking about martial arts and i thought gosh that's what we need we need pig-headed because for me to become a leader to pig-headed discipline and determination um and i think that's the key thing And the other thing is balance your discipline with the willingness, and I'm going to use this quote, to walk in, to welcome the unwelcome. Nice. Unpack that a little bit. All right. So this was a Buddhist nun that's written this book. And of course, this year, I'll use an example. I went, I'm welcoming the unwelcome this year. I'm not going to freak out when the stuff comes across my business path that I can't control. I'm just going to walk through it and I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to keep my brain calm and I'm going to pump all the good, you know, serotonin in there. Oh, Lord. You know, don't ever put it out there, Wilbo. So it's been an interesting year. Uh, although I do want to say this to you, as I've welcomed the unwelcome, it's allowed my brain to recalibrate the agility it's required because it means I can't control the things outside of my control. So I've got to be peaceful that the things that are happening outside of my control are happening. What I can control is how I'm approaching it, my thinking, my attitude, my mindset, my discipline, you know, and then to your point, don't crush the thing that's that you're holding on to so, so desperately. Don't do that. Yeah, and as a leader, you've got to understand that regardless of whatever situation you're in at the moment, what areas of drama you're dealing with above you or below you, your current position isn't your destination. Oh, beautiful. It's just one stop on the journey. But sometimes we feel so overwhelmed and we don't get that sort of out of body experience to try and look at ourselves in that environment. And you've helped me with that a lot yeah. um, over these past 12, 18 months because you get crushed in the grind mm. and you lose perspective. So think about what that's going to be like for your team if you're in that zone and then putting it on them as well. A lot of the conflict that happens that requires tough love comes from where belief starts to seep out of the structure. Yeah. And and listen, I agree with you because I think that is incredibly important. Um, As you were saying that, I was just reflecting on being in the machine. Um, When you as the leader get stuck in that machine... Give us an example of when you were stuck in the machine. Like, did you end up blaming, shaming, screaming, shouting? Is that what you felt like some days? Yeah, I look, I internalised it a fair bit, I think, and hopefully my team could sort of back me up with that. <laughs> we'll ask them. 
um, which we're going to invite them on uh, in future podcasts for, for their perspective. But I internalised a lot and took all of the, the blame, um, both self-inflicted and put from above, on, on my own shoulders, which became incredibly heavy um, to the point where it was almost too heavy to, to walk anymore. So what was your and lesson? It wasn't, and it wasn't until I got some perspective that everyone's got choice. And sometimes you need the ability to be able to have that out-of-body experience to reflect on what you're doing because if, and we, we said this on, on previous sort of chats that, that you and I have had, yeah. that if it's not what you want to be doing, mm. then back yourself to go and find something else. Think about how you want your talents and attributes to be utilised within the organisation, not just how the organisation wants to utilise certain attributes and talents because you might be sort of punching your fist against the wall for for absolutely no purpose other than the the greater good of the organisation, not you as an individual. So having the courage to step out of that um, bubble and find your purpose, be driven by your own compass, actually makes you a better person, a better human being, and by default a much greater, more reliable leader. And I want to say that to you, finding your purpose is important. So I'm going to share my purpose with everyone out there and then hopefully you can share yours. And I've had to distill this because my purpose was huge at, at one stage, but it's taken eight years of grind to get it to a simple metric. I want to be able to make a difference to one person's life a day. And my team have that same metric. One person's life a day. And my son said this to me the other day because he also works in our practice and he wants to become the Prime Minister so that he can change the whole of Australia, Um, which is all good. Scott Morrison, Josh uh, Foxwell is on his way. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. One person changes their world. That world gets impacted by another person, another person, another person. And then suddenly that one person turns into 10 people, 20 people, 30 people. And what we've done is we've created change. So that's my purpose. Don't you love that? I do. And if I was to share sort of mine and crafting what that actually looks like, um, and they're in very deliberate orders, if I had to use sort of um, a couple of words, Mm. I would use people and performance architect in that order. The people are more important than the performance because the people deliver the performance, not the other way around. And I want to make sure that the teams and the businesses that I work with, I leave in a much better shape than when I found them. Yeah, isn't that great? Because that is your remit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the part that if leaders hear this, chuck your job description away. The number one thing that you need to be concerned about as a leader is instilling belief in your people at all times. Illuminating the pathway for which they can walk, being a guide for them to walk that, but keep fueling their belief. And I love um, Thomas Edison uh, quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Exactly. Exactly. That's your job description. If you are focused on that each and every day, all the other building blocks of your role and your team's roles 
become that much easier. It's like the lubrication of the the parts of the machine. They don't grind and, and shave off metal. They start to just in sync, just uniformly work together with slickness and rhythm. Um, don't discount how important belief is to people in general. Oh, I believe belief creates hope. Um, and for me, to your very point, if I don't believe it as a leader, I'll never be able to see it, which means I'll never be able to paint it and I'll never be able to allow you to connect your purpose to where we're going so that you can become the best of you. Yeah, hope fuels desire and ambition. Absolutely. And that's where high performance sits and lives. But you, you can't jump levels. You can't just get the elevator and skip up. You've got to go through those building blocks with your team and that comes from a place of care even when we're dealing with tough love, it is still a basis in care. So love is important. I've got this quote, and then I suppose we're almost done, but gosh, we could speak forever. Um, <laughs> I know, I have got this. Uh, the challenge of, of leadership is to be strong but not rude, which means that tough love piece. I'm strong in my belief where I'm going, but I'm, I'm not rude. I'm not an asshole. That's one of my favorite. You know, African, it, it means something different anyway. Be kind, but not weak. So I've got a generous heart, but I'm not weak that you can walk over me with bad behaviors. I'm going to call them out, but I'm going to call it out from a place of care. Yeah? Be bold, Absolutely. but don't be a bully. I can be strong and I can be dynamic, but if I'm trying to crush you into the dust to be better than you, I'm a bully. Okay. Yeah, if you break the egg, you can't put it back together, right? Totally. Be thoughtful, but not lazy. Yeah, You know, be humble, but not timid. Because this is where humility can sometimes tick over for, you know, if I'm going to be humble, I've got to be be serving so much. No, humility is a hard piece where it means I'll take the bullet first, but I'll eat last. You know, that, yeah. that to me is humility. Be proud, but not arrogant. Be so proud of your team, but watch your ego that it doesn't take over and shine through his arrogance. And then I love this last one. Have humor without folly. You know, um, I really like that. I think for me, when I talk about tough love, this is tough love. It's, it's, about, it's about love and performance. And how do we wind those two together? People and performance. A leader without heart is a very tough person to work for. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it's a place you don't want to be. And I'll be honest with you, I do not work in those spaces. I'm happy at Ignite Purpose. We have conversations, and if I feel that we can't help, not because I'm judging, but because of where we're coming from, if we're going to try and engage with an organization where the leadership suffers with heart, the lack of heart and doesn't actually acknowledge that heart is even remotely important our ability to help them transform and make a difference is minimal because we are not shame based and I'm passionate about not being shame based you've got to be love based it's far too damaging to be shame based it's damaging people walk away broken and I'll say this what was the objective of that to break someone for what purpose None. There is never a good purpose. There is never a good purpose. I rather. It's your failing as a leader 
to not be able to address it in a way that is productive. And I, and I want to use this probably a last thought that we're going to go through, but I like talking about chickens and eagles, and I know your team really like that. I've got a piece. Yeah, of, they do. I've got a picture of a chicken with the tutu on my vision board here, because sometimes I feel I am a blooming chicken. Um, because I'm feeling overwhelmed and that's actually what we're going to talk about next week but before we get to that piece I wanted to just share this sometimes I've hired people because I like them and they come in and they try and they disciplined but it's just not the right stage for them you know this is not this they look like a chicken it's like having a rugby player dressing up in a ballet suit trying to do swan lake and they are clumsy because they're not made for that they haven't been taught to it's not their thing but it's not fit for purpose yeah let me put that rugby player on a rugby field and they are an eagle and i think we've got to stop shaming people for working in our organization when they are not the eagle when they're the chicken because in another place they will be the eagle and that is the value of human love very well said and it's also the value of respect and that's probably my parting thought to to lead and listening have respect have respect for the opportunity that you have to leave a long lasting impression on the people that you lead and with that respect Will you take the opportunity to leave a lasting impression that people remember decades down the track that you were one of the most significant influences of their life yeah. or the bane of their existence? And it's your choice what you are. 100% choice. Now, next week, based on all of this, leader, we want to tell you we know what you're going through. And we really want to, uh, Wilbur and I want to tackle this whole thing around dealing and managing with stress as a leader because we've been there I think we still go there Uh, you know Wilbo you've taken on this amazing role Um, I'm leading post-COVID reforming you know the work we're doing and there is stress but we really want to share our insights with you what do you think Wilbo? I reckon that's a great part stress is the cloud that comes and lingers around your head that blocks judgment prevents progress and makes you act differently so we're going to unpack sort of the impacts of it and ways with which you could sort of lead through that because it's something you can't obliterate but you can definitely um, change your approach to it absolutely and we might just throw a few puffer fish your way so uh, (laughs) Wilbo this heart of a leader podcast is a great joy for me so I want to thank you for being my co-host. You are a brave and courageous man. And you, I wouldn't want to be doing it with anybody else. And I think there's a lot that we can impart as we go on this journey and just try and give some tips, tricks and advice to people that um, can just do things the right way um, and enrich their lives and the people that are around them. So people are a very very important part of of my professional um, world and making sure we're we're helping like you said one person at a time yeah um, then that makes it all worthwhile so yeah i I love sitting side by side with you on doing listen i'm with you i'm joyous and i'm grateful so this was uh heart of a leader and quest two 
uh, uh, well, absolutely, we're on a quest and we're definitely not alone. You're with us and we're so grateful. Thanks for hanging out with us today. See you, everyone. See ya. Thank you.